0: Some. gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars if you ain't gonna do it for yourself then do it for your mama only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit trying to learn some game all gonna talk about it no, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses, valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper. I've been chasing greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. End the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments. And sacrificing temporary for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibe.
1: This episode is sponsored by Bees. She is the creator of the Giftize app and the author of the Financial Starter Kit book. Bees works in the defense industry as an overseas contractor. After years of studying financial literacy and investing, she is now financially free. The Financial Starter Kit comes with a free money allocation spreadsheet and gives you all the resources that you need to take control of your finances today. You can purchase the book at financialstarterkit.com. If you want to learn more about the defense industry and how to obtain a stable, high-paying career in the states or overseas, you can purchase her defense industry guide at www.defenseindustry.guide. Also, for more information, you can follow her on Twitter at capital underscore SB.
2: What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Deanna Kent, sitting here with my
1: co-host, Xavier Miller. What's up, everybody?
2: And today we have a very special episode for y'all. So today me and Xavier are going to talk about real estate investing. We're going to give you guys some insight as to how we got started investing in real estate, some different tips and tricks on how you can do the same. And then we're going to touch on a few other topics as well.
1: Yep, yep. And so we, we want to uh to do this topic today because like while we're going through this pandemic, obviously last week we dropped the episode with Adrian. And for those who haven't checked it out, I'll definitely advise everybody to go check that out which is about things you could do during this pandemic. In this episode, we want to uh, talk about the things we do in real estate and how it could be helpful to people as well during this pandemic. So you want to get right into it, D?
2: Yes,
1: sir. So I thought you were about to say something. But so, yeah, so just getting right into it. We want to talk about, uh, for those who don't know, we have uh, Park Hill Capital uh, Consulting Services. That's where we help people get into real estate investing. So we want to just go over that today. And it's and we primarily talk about investing out of state for the most part. And for the for people who don't know, I, mean, I mean, some people might ask, why Why would I invest out of state when I could just invest where I'm at? A lot of times, why people invest out of state is because it could be cheaper, depending on the market and things like that. It could be it could be uh if you have if you if you don't have as much capital, it's definitely easier to get in the game comparatively. let's say you live in New York or you live in Atlanta, you live in California. Or any expensive places, and you like necessarily don't want to jump in the game in that market. You could look outside. You could look out of state in different markets where it's cheaper, where you could get in the game and gain that experience.
2: Mm -hmm. And we want you guys to realize the process of getting investment property is different from the process of just getting a residential home for you to live in. So just keep that in mind as we're going through all of these different things. But with real estate investing. It just gives you a lot of freedom, a lot more options to do things your way, to fit whatever it is to plan you have for yourself. So keep that in mind as we go through all these different things.
1: Yeah, and, a, and a couple things we're going to go over today. We're going to go over uh just pretty much how to how to get your team to start the process. We're going to go over property management. Uh, we gonna go over uh, funding, the purchasing process. And uh, what, what what else we going over?
2: uh we're gonna touch on tennis screening a little bit and so, so a few things you should um, be prepared for that aren't usually talked about as far as real estate investing and just overall how to get to the end and cool. go
1: cool and so for the for the, for the first step and I wanna what what's up
2: uh, I was thinking well, maybe we could start off talking on how we got our first rental property do you mm-hmm. want to start there?
1: That's cool. You go. You, you say you say like you want to talk about it. I, was I
2: mean, so before we jump into it, just to um, kind of give you guys some background. We bought our first um rental property for about sixteen thousand dollars. Now we didn't have a mentor. We didn't have anybody guiding us through the process. This is really just our own research from reading and you know reading books, reading stuff online, and then with the help of our realtor, we just decided one day you know we was gonna dive into it. There's no point in just sitting around waiting for. You know, somebody to tell us to do it was like, this is the time we just about to jump into it. So with that, we got us a realtor. Um Now, we did make a few mistakes along the way, which we've learned from. And <laughs> but it's all a learning process. But we got the first property at 16,000. It already had a tenant in there, which was amazing. And we're going to touch on that as well, as far as getting a property that already has a tenant. But we'll show you guys just how we analyze that
1: deal and how that all came about as we go through the slots. Yep, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So but just getting just 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 getting right to it. So what well, we advise everybody we talk to, we advise them because people always ask the question like, OK, how much money I need? Because a lot of times people want to get into real estate and they don't really have they necessarily don't have no capital or their credit might be bad. And those those two are the main things you need when you get getting involved in real estate. Either you gotta have capital or credit. If you have neither, you probably should, I would advise that you wait it out and to, to to stack those things up a little bit more before you dive in. Because there's so many unexpected, like for, uh, unforeseen circumstances that could pop up. If you don't have any money to fix those things, it's just gonna be nothing but a headache. So what we advise, what we advise everybody, well, what what I would do is we we tell everybody to at least. Try to aim to save up $10,000 before you buy a property.
2: Now, $10,000 is definitely a good goal to start off with. I also like to add in there, if you know what market you want to invest in, you know, like your max purchase price or your preferred purchase price, you should aim for about 30% of that number. And I say 30% Mm. 30 because typically when you buy a rental property, the Lender wants you to put down 20 to 25 percent as a down payment on a property. Mm-hmm. So, with that 20, let's say 20 percent, you got enough for your 20 percent. Closing costs are typically about one to three percent, so you got enough for that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, things pop up that you can't be always prepared for. So, that's repairs or um, startup costs or things like that. So, I feel like 30 percent is a good cushion for you to have as far as how much money you should have saved. So, just- that's for the deal, though. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but
1: so, I, what? I, yeah, that's a good point. But I'm I'm pretty much saying like, as far as to put to the side for any anything that might pop up, like mm-hmm. after you got the property, you got ten that like, any maintenance issues, anything happen, you got money that you can afford to pay for that.
2: Yeah. So how you thirty percent, of course, for the um for the actual deal, and then like Xavier said, have at least 10000 $10, dollars saved for just in your reserves for unexpected things
1: to pop up repairs and things like that because mm-hmm. like I said uh, prepa- uh repairs a lot of times it's nothing that you could forecast it's stuff that just happens like it's just it's just random it's just like random acts that'll happen like I'll give I'll give an example like for one of our properties I remember uh like after we first bought it somebody broke the window broke in and stole the water heater now that's something that I mean we couldn't forecast and we knew that was that or we didn't know that was going to happen it just happened and when we got the call it was like damn okay well, we got to fix it we got to fix it immediately and it, it luckily it wasn't too costly but I'm just saying that to say if we didn't have any money or any reserves then you know what I mean it would have been it would have been a, it would have been a major headache and a and a major uh a major it would have made the process way slower cuz we would have to wait till we build up the capital and things like that
2: Yep, and I always tell people, especially our mentees when we're going over this stuff, just put yourself in the shoes of your um the person leasing or renting the house from you. If I call you and I tell you I need something fixed, as a landlord, it's your responsibility to mm-hmm. do that immediately. You can't make somebody sit around and wait to the first fifteenth for you to get a paycheck or something like that. At the end of the day you're a business owner and you have a responsibility to your tenant to make sure they're in the house and they're living comfortably and they don't have to worry about things going wrong and sitting around waiting for you to finally get the capital to pay for
1: it. Yeah, because you you will hear a lot of stories or a lot of tenant stories where they'll say they have a problem with it. It could be anything, something with the kitchen or something. They reach out to the landlord. The landlord necessarily probably don't have the the money to fix it right away. Next thing you know, your tenant is waiting a month possibly to get Mm -hmm. things fixed. And now... You in that box of a bad landlord, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you're going into this, you don't want that label. You want to be someone that handles things and handles them quarterly. So that's why we advise. Like we we not one of those people that's gonna tell like tell you or we are gonna make it seem like it's simple and easy. It takes no money. It takes no effort on your part because that would be a lie. That would be that would be uh uh misinformation. And we definitely not going not not, not going not going to do that. So we just say all these things to make sure you advising you treating this with with the uh the respect is the the respect it deserves cuz it's actually somebody's livelihood the way somebody's living so you want to make sure you take care of that mm-hmm. so uh we also want to talk about one of the most important things if, if you don't know I'm pretty sure everybody knows this is doing your research like one of the how you get how people get in bad deals with real estate most of the time is from not doing any research you just taking things for face value seeing like just uh just reading the basics of things saying it costs cost this amount. I'm going to make this. I'm going to, am going to do it. But a lot of times it, it a deal needs much more uh, research than that. You got to research the city, the, the, the neighborhood is saying what's going on in the neighborhood, things like that. I remember on our episode with uh hood estates, they say when they buy properties, they like to go to the, to the neighborhood, like at night to really get a grasp and a feel on the neighborhood. Cause during the, if you go during the day, you know most neighborhoods during the day depending on where you at but during the day it's like everything is 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 cool for the most part but as we know when it get when it get dark outside that's when you really see the real neighborhood so i would advise people just, just if you if you invest in anywhere you're going to get a feel for the neighborhood even if you can't go you want to get somebody that you know in the neighborhood that can get a feel for a neighborhood and they can reach back to you and let you know what's going on mm-hmm. and to add
2: on to that it's important you do your research because at the end of the day Investing in real estate is a risk and it's a lot mm-hmm. of money on the line. So you don't want to take those chances by not being properly prepared and doing the correct research before you jump into this and put thousands of dollars on the line. So just do your research, make sure you have a plan and go in there with a strategy rather than just jumping into it and just, you know, letting things happen. Yep.
1: Yeah. let's talk about uh, your team. Now, this is this is probably the most important part when you invest in in a state that you don't live in because if you don't have a good team, it's just going to make your experience probably a living hell because you're going to have people that's trying to get over on you because they know you're not there. You might have your tenant that's not paying rent because they know you're not there. And it's just, it's just so many things that can, go, that can go bad and go bad fast if you don't have the right team. So we're going to dive into the process on how you find the right team and just how to go about it. You want to start on that? Yeah,
2: so when it comes to building your team – um, that's definitely one of the first pieces of the process that you need to do. But some of the key players you need to have on your team is going to be your real estate agent, your inspector, your contractor, your lender, and your appraiser. Mm-hmm. Now, say, and um, chat to on today, your property managers, if you're going to use them. Mm-hmm. But the first thing, um, especially with realtors, make sure you do your research as far as finding a good realtor. Um, you don't want to get with a realtor who's too inexperienced or has never worked with investors before. If you can, I definitely recommend finding a realtor who has worked in, with investors because, like I said earlier, the process of purchasing an investment property is different from the process of purchasing a residential property. And you want a real estate agent who understands that and knows exactly what to give you to send your way, so that they're just not sending you any type of property. So make sure you do that research. You can um, start with a Google search, or if you see people on social media, read their reviews, see what past clients are saying about them. And just when you talk to them, just ask questions, be thorough, see where their mindset is at, and see if it's somebody you're really going to be comfortable working with.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, I mean, let me speak on this real quick, sometimes if you if you're investing out of state, you might not necessarily need to work with a realtor, but I'll say this though: if you're new to investing in real estate, I would definitely advise you work with a realtor because there's so many things that you could be unaware of that you don't know. Where if you if you not experienced, it will make the most sense to just work with somebody that is experienced, so they can make the process smoother. Don't try to uh, don't try to be an expert at something when you don't have any experience. Is basically what I'm saying. But for those that might have a little experience, you there are ways that you can buy out of state without working with a realtor, and they got apps like uh for those who don't know, like Land Guard. Land God is an app where you can look up, you look up any property and find out the owner, and then you could go on from there. You could get the owner information using th- things like White Pages and stuff like that. Get the owner information, and you you can reach out just like if you're trying to wholesale a property, you can reach out and actually try to buy the property. But I like I said. I don't advise that if you don't have any experience. If you're starting from ground zero, I would definitely advise uh, working working with a realtor. Then after that, after you identify some properties that you're interested in, the realtor's gonna help you in getting that getting that process started.
2: Yep. Just take advantage of all the resources a realtor has to offer you. Of course, like anything, is gonna cost you money. But as the buyer in the transaction, you don't pay the realtor. The seller does, so you don't have to worry about it coming out of your pockets in essence but take advantage of the resources they could provide you as far as um, being a first-time home buyer if you are um, any information they can give you on investment properties opportunity zones within the area Mm. and if they can connect you with other people that you need to be connected with as far as the lenders and appraisers and inspectors and on the topic of inspectors you definitely need to get the property inspected. But That's, yeah,
1: look, look, uh, yeah. <laughs> now nah, I'm glad. Now nah, I'm, I'm glad you're going to that. But bef- let the let them know why, uh, the inspector is important. And, like, well, you pretty much was already. I was yeah, going my, bad. my bad. But yeah.
2: I was gonna give y'all a story um, that we had with an inspector. So we had a Detroit inspector who was very good, very thorough at what he did. Before we bought the property, he went in. He did a very detailed walkthrough. He checked out the roof um all type of stuff within the house he gave us a detailed report on that and with us being out of state and not being able to see the property it really helped us a lot to assess the condition of the property as a whole now when we had a second property we were interested in getting again out of state we weren't able to see it we called him up he went there and fortunately for us he was a, a good person, and he called us immediately to let us know, like, this house is just, like, nobody yeah. should be living here. Like, it's just completely hazardous, and it's going to cost you all types of money to get it repaired and get everything fixed up to be up to code. And just having somebody on your team, especially when you're out of state, who's going be like, nope, this isn't a good one. Because at the end of the day, you can see all the pictures and videos, but you got to see beyond that, too. You know, mm-hmm. there's more to the house than just the appearance and you got to know make sure everything's working right within the inside so definitely mm-hmm. get a thorough thorough inspector on your team that's the money that's worth the investment it usually costs a couple hundred dollars to get the inspector to go out there but it's worth it's everything. Worth it is worth every
1: penny it's definitely worth it and and I and I'll say this really quick especially for those that don't have much experience do not do not make a purchase without getting their property inspected like mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll see people or hear stories on people buying property without getting inspected because someone told them some information and they just believed it on face value or they just thought they knew what they was doing. They was like, Okay, it's cool. Yeah, I'm not even gonna bother getting this because I know what I'm doing. Then after the purchase they find out all these things. And they like, Damn, I didn't even know And like, did you get an inspection? No, I just thought, like, oh, that's what you that's where you were wrong. You was just you just thought instead of like mm-hmm. figuring it out for yourself. So Definitely definitely get an inspection. If you if you didn't get it inspected, I me personally, I'm not buying it if I didn't get it inspected.
2: Yep, and typically if you're getting a um, loan, the lender is gonna require you to have you an inspection yeah. yep. come there. But if you're gonna do the process without a realtor and you're probably gonna pay cash for it and do it, you know, on your own then don't let the sellers scare you out of having mm-hmm. an inspector come in there or talk you out of it. Definitely right. do your due diligence cuz like I said before this is a risky game and you got to be covered on all ends. You got to know exactly what you're getting yourself into.
1: Mm-hmm. Right cuz you you actually then this may be surprising to some people but you actually got some people out here that could be sellers of their property and they will encourage you not to get an inspection because they know they know all the BS that's going on with the property but they don't want you to know cuz they know if you find out you might back out from buying it. So you got some people that'll be like, no, nah, this is going, I the la- I got it inspector three months ago. This is what they told me, this and mm-hmm. that. And if you, ex- if you, inex- if you inexperienced, you might just believe them Cause in your mind, you could just be thinking like, oh, well, he's got no reason to lie. What are you going to lie to me about that for? Not knowing that he just trying to get this out of, he trying to get this out of his hands and get his mm-hmm. money. So. Th- and
2: I'm going to say that's exactly what happened to us. Like on our sec trying to get our second property and the seller that's exactly what she was trying to that's do. That's what to she was us. trying to do. And luckily I had the inspector who really was completely honest with me, even though he never met me, it was just like, No, like you don't need to do this just just by going in the basement and not even doing the whole inspection. Just from looking, he could tell it was already like fifteen thousand dollars for the repairs. That mm-hmm. the seller hadn't even hadn't mentioned even disclosed. And yeah. she hadn't even been to the her the house herself in years, so stuff like mm-hmm. that. Just be wary of not everybody is gonna have your best interest at heart, and you no, gotta get quality people on your team that's gonna look out for you.
1: Not the not only is most is everybody not gonna have your best interest, but the reality of it is most people most people really not they're not gonna care. And the thing the thing about that is, it's not their duty to have your best interest at the mm-hmm. end of the day. This is this is business, so everybody is pretty much gonna look out for themselves. They're not mm-hmm. going. You can't expect anyone outside of your uh, team or people that's benefiting with you to have your best interest. In the perfect world, of course you could, because everybody want to do right by each other. But this isn't the perfect world. You got a lot mm-hmm. of people out here that like to do grimy business, They like to do grimy things. So they're not they they are not going to have your best interest, and that's just the reality of it. So, and knowing that you have to. Treat things as such. And and you have to, like the military always say, trust but verify. You always got to do your verification process so you could know for sure what you're getting into.
2: And especially in certain markets and dealing with certain people, they definitely try and take advantage of those out-of-state investors. So definitely be wary of that. Just when you talk to them, try your hardest not to come off as inexperienced or like you don't know what you're doing. Be confident in what you're saying mm-hmm. and confidence let them know that you know how to do this process and you did your research and your due diligence and you know they not gonna get, be able to get by on you yep. in this process. And
1: con- like like Diana just said, confidence is key in this thing. When people get the sense, when people and I, and that's I'm a, I want to say this and that's not just within real estate. That's for doing everything. When people get the sense. That you don't know what you really doing, most people will try to take advantage of you because they mm-hmm. know if you don't know what you're doing. Okay, I could get a bigger share of the pot now because mm-hmm. you already don't know what you're doing. So when you going when you doing anything, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can't let people. You can't let your 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 because they. I mean, they could kind of be your opposition at that moment because they trying to get their best interest. You trying to get your best interest. So you can't let that opposite party know that you know, not that informed Mm because they're going to take advantage of that. So you have to move confidently and carry yourself. Like, you know what you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Just as bunches, don't get in your feelings about stuff at the end of the day. It's business. Like going back to her first property, just, I've realized like our, our realtor made, um, Got over on us over on a thousand dollars, just having us raise our offer up when it really didn't need, didn't it to, need be, to be. Heard. Um, really, really didn't need it to be done because she was working in the same office as the seller's agent. So stuff like that, you know. Even though it's like, all right, I get it, it's business. They wanted to get the most they could, and it is what it is. Now nah, I'm just be more cautious moving forward. But don't get in your feelings about it. Don't let it affect the way you move or you know your business efforts as a whole
1: yep now let's let's uh so let's say if after you gotta inspect it, inspected, everything worked out like cool it it you you got the report back most things was good now it's on to the next thing
2: so kind of just something we did miss there, but first and foremost is doing your research um identifying the market you wanna invest in, just having all that squared away and knowing exactly you know what what your what your plan is what your strategy is. Then you um, build your team, get Mm -hmm. them on lock. Then once you got the realtor and you choose the property you want and you place offer down, that's when you go get the inspection done. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're going to do it the traditional route, that's when you have the inspector come in there. You get everything squared away with the loan process. And then that's just the whole process of being an escrow. And your realtor explained that more to you. But escrow is just when you're going to make sure everything's squared away with the loan, make sure the property's inspected. Um, make sure everything's good to go before you actually close on the house and sign off on those official papers to say the house is yours. Yep.
1: And it, let's talk about contractor though. Before, so before, <laughs> before, <laughs> but before, before they do that and they close on the deal, this is another key piece that people that uh, people need to do before they close on that deal and, and a contract. And let and for the people that don't know, let them know why why this is important.
2: So going back to the same thing as having an inspector, when you get that property, you really just need to have the inspector and a contractor do a work walkthrough. Mm-hmm. Now at the end of the day, real estate is a numbers game and you need all of your numbers to be squared that away. You sense. need you need accurate estimates on everything. So if you got a house, even if it's in some is gonna be a fixer upper or it's got moderate repairs needed, you need to account for all that to make sure you got enough money for it. And you can be prepared, be prepared and you got a cushion for things if things go wrong. So definitely find you a good contractor. <laughs> find a really good <laughs> contractor to do a walkthrough of your property and give you hard numbers on that. And don't just take the first estimate you get from a contractor. If possible, get one mm-hmm. or three different contracts mm-hmm. contractors to come in there and give you estimates and bids on how much everything's going to cost. So you can go ahead and um, account for that as far as. Um, all your costs for the whole process before you can get it rented
1: out yep and i wanted to say this just just speaking on contractors because a, a lot of times people always ask me how do i find a good contractor how do i do this that and like are uh, we talking about investing out of state and that's th- this is probably i'm trying to think this is probably the most and imp- mm, probably the i'll say this is probably the most important part when you invest in out of state is finding a good contractor and how you find a good contractor is like what 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 I've learned is I base it on pretty much referrals and then seeing their work. Like if if any if nobody referred a contractor to me, I'm probably not going to do it. Especially if I didn't see their work. Those are two things you definitely have to check for. And when when you investing out of state, the thing is like I had someone ask me before. They like how I'm supposed to get referrals if like if like if I don't know anybody in that state or whatever. And I like to say this, like, if you're on social media, whatever you're doing, you have to, uh, I don't want to say broadcast it, but just, just let people know, okay, this is, this is what I'm branching into now. And I'm investing into this area. Does anybody know anybody that's investing in this area? Or is anybody investing into this area? And most of the times you're going to get somebody hit, hit you up with either saying, I know somebody that do, or I do personally. And you can ask them, Hey, who do you use as a contractor? Who do you use as an inspector? And people will let you know, and then you can say, "Let me uh, do they have any work? Can I see their work?" Okay, boom. Then you get to see their work. So there you that's that's ways where you can find a good quality contractor because contractors, contractors just like property managers or just like anything else, good ones are like damn near a dime a dozen. When people get a good contractor. They, a lot of the investors they like to hold on to them and don't share their contract, and a lot of times they don't like to share their contract. But then you got a lot of people that will share the information with you and be like, "Yeah, this is who I use. This my guy right here. He on the money. He gonna handle you." And then that's that's how don't don't just well, that first contractor you meet on the street and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm a contractor." I, yeah, mm-hmm. don't be like, "Oh oh yeah, he gonna fix my house." Yeah, don't do because a lot of times. They do shitty work. Yeah. Just being just and, just just being honest,
2: and we telling y'all based off experience. You know, we we don't sugarcoat it or nothing. We went through all these different trials and tribulations to get to where we at, but it's just certain things you need to look out for. Yeah, just being in this real estate game as a whole.
1: Yeah, con- contractors, man. We can, I could talk about this all day. They they gonna, they gonna either be the the. The, the glue that keep your stuff together? That's or They're going to literally the glue that have your shit fall apart. And just
2: <laughs> another thing I want y'all to think about, too, is like y'all know we invest in Detroit heavy. That's one of our preferred markets, Detroit and Cleveland. And um, when you you estimate like when you're doing your money and all that, and you're like, all right, I could give me a property for under 20,000 and stuff like that. And that's all you budget for. But this is why we go back to having that inspection, getting that contractor in there. Because just because you got a property for, let's say, 15000 it may need about ten to 15000 in repairs. But you would probably never know that if you didn't have your inspector and contractor come through and give you hard estimates before you bought the property. Whereas in that case, you could have probably just looked for a property that was already in good condition and went after that. So just make sure you you know all
1: this to say is do your due diligence. Do 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 your due diligence and make sure you you check it for people work, checking for people uh portfolios, seeing what what work have they done, what results have they gotten, and that that will be a good uh basis for you to make a decision on what you want to do.
2: Mhm.
1: And now the, uh, let's talk about let's talk about lenders.
2: So with lenders, um, usually like with a lender. You could find, get a referral from your real estate agent. They should have a lender that they work to that's a trusted lender. But it's different. It's multiple ways to find funding for your real estate deals. And that's as far as you could contact your local bank first, see if you can get a mortgage loan with them, um, talk to the lender your realtor prefer, referred you to, go to local credit unions, um, private lenders, where that could be people you know in your circle who has some money to fund these deals, hard money lenders. um, seller financing seller is an financing. option in investing with your partners. So those are just some of the different ways you could pull together the capital to buy your investment property.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh for for those who 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 don't want to deal with lenders, like I said, going directly to to the owner and doing uh seller financing is also not a bad it's it's not it's not a bad deal. I know especially in these times right now where you probably don't want to necessarily take out a loan because you know know what can happen with the market what, what's happening with the country that's definitely a good route there's not a there's not there's not a bad route to go at all
2: mm-hmm. and that's just all in all when you're doing seller financing just make sure you um get your th- your contract um prepared like go over everything that's going to be in it the terms and all that and make sure it's a one before you go ahead and sign on the dotted line and um just when you do find a lender, just be aware of the different types of loans that are out there. That's the FHA loans, conventional loans, the VA loan. And if you're like me and Xavier, prior military, and you have access to the VA loan, go ahead and use that to your advantage. That's, you know, getting a property with um zero money down and low interest rates and all of that. So, you know, use those things to your advantage if you have those benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, after... Uh- after you get pre-approved and find a house, you make your offer, you know what I'm saying? Then you go through closing and all that. Now, after you finally get the property, when you, and like I said, we're talking about investing out of the state, this is one thing that you def, I would definitely advise everybody to do because it makes the process way simple, simpler and easier is, is finding good property managers. This should this,
2: be done before you
1: close. But Right, right, right. This should be done before you close, but this is probably... Like, this, either between property, good finding, good property managers, and contractors is, like, the most important things to me, like, for investing out of state. Because property property managers is going same thing like contractors. They can either make or break you. Like, finding a good one, it, it can either make or break you. Like, I'll give you guys, for those who don't know, I, talk, I, I, I talked about it on Twitter before. It's like, we, with our first property, the property manager we had, it was a guy, he was just trying to steal $1,500 from us because he knew we was out of state. So he and in their mind they're like, I mean shit, what they gonna do? They and, all the way in California.
2: And also I was the primary contact he was talking to. Right. So just real estate is a male dominated industry. So for him to feel like, you know, I'm talking to a girl, she out of state, he doesn't know I have a, a male partner with me investing, just you know, feeling like I can get over, I can take advantage of her.
1: Exactly. So it it, it was a it was a process. It took like a, a week, probably like two weeks to get our money back. But they were they were just terrible. So we just want to touch on like having that good property manager is just like man, it's key. And the way you find one is like how I talked about finding contractors. It could be the same way. Like just make sure you verbalize on what you're doing, and then you will talk to other people. And they do you know of any property managers? Do you use any property managers? And they'll let you know like okay, what's like how how's the process been? Is it good? Is it bad? And most investors. They gonna be real with you because they don't. They want. They don't want you to go through what they did. Like if somebody came to us and was like, "Hey, how was their process with the company we was with? Would y'all would y'all advise us to go with them?" We gonna be like, "Hell, hell no! <laughs> don't do that. Do this." And uh, for those who don't know, property managers they charge anywhere between like five to ten percent, and it's it's typically closer to like the ten percent range. But that's it, it, whoever listens to this, you might be thinking like ten percent. That's a lot. But trust me on this; it's worth it, and mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely worth it. So basically, if you if you net a a thousand dollars, or you're profiting a thousand dollars, you paying them a hundred, mm-hmm. and they doing they doing pretty much all the work. You ain't got to deal with the tenant. You probably never even hear from the tenant. They let you to, they let you know about maintenance issues and things like that. What's going on? But but other than that, you really just chilling. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's so important to find that property. amount. Don't be one of those people. Um, especially if you're out of state and thinking like, oh, I'm going to be able to manage this. I'm going to be able to manage this from Florida while the property is in Illinois. It's not
2: going to yeah, work. It's, pro- it's, it's not going to work. And, it,
1: and, and even if it does, let's say, even if it does, you get it working, it's going to be a lot of hassle and a lot of work on your part. Yeah,
2: because yeah. even though um, property managers, it's simple what they do. They do do a lot of key stuff as far as collecting the rent immediately responding to anything that Mm -hmm. goes wrong within the property making sure the contractors or the plumbers or the electricians the the people who need to be there are getting hired and sent over to the property Mm -hmm. in a timely manner and also record keeping just keeping keeping records of all the the rent coming in, all the repairs, all the expenses, having all your reports ready for you at the end of the year when it comes time to do your taxes. So, don't take the um, property manager for granted. They definitely do a lot of stuff that's essential to your business functioning property.
1: Extr- extremely essential. I can't say this enough. It's extremely, extremely, extremely essential. If you because from I don't know about everybody else, but from me and Dee's stand, like we in real estate and we in it to be in it passively. We're not in it to be, like, doing all this fucking legwork and, you know what I'm saying, working mm-hmm. our asses all sweat. We're in it to have our capital, use our resources to get in it, and create passive income. So anything that we could headaches that we could avoid, we avoid them, and we don't mind paying that extra dollar to avoid it.
2: Yeah, and just something to kind of throw out there. um there's a difference between being a landlord and a real estate investor and what we prefer to be is the real estate investor investor meaning we just put the capital up and we just collect our money and we put that property manager in place to do all the legwork, but as far as the landlord, which technically we are, but the landlord is just more so someone who's going to do all the groundwork mm-hmm. and be there, you know, handing in all the day-to-day operations and managing that property and collecting the money as yeah. well.
1: And that's like I said again, that's not what we're in it for. Now, some of you that's you may you may want to do that, but like I said, if you're investing from you got a property in a different state than you live, you definitely don't want to deal with a lot of headaches because there's going to be a lot of people that try to that try to f you over. Cause they know you. They they may know you inexperienced. They may know you are not there. So they're gonna try to do little things. So you gotta make sure you have your team in order, have these things in the right place where you can prevent all these, all these headaches. But let's uh, let's talk about buying a property. Like this, this is another thing that a property manager would, would do. Let's say you buy a property and you don't have a tenant. If you got your property manager in place already, they can help you find the ticket, find the tenant, and do tenant screenings and all that stuff for you. And if you don't know tenant screening is is crucial to the to the process as well mm-hmm. because you don't want to get a tenant in there that's because a lot of times a lot of times people just buy property and they like i'm gonna buy a property get a tenant don't matter who i get in there i'm just trying to make some money and it sounds good until you actually start and you start doing it and you just get anybody in your house and you start treating your house like shit any old
2: type of way right. and that could be as far as like, a bad tenant pretty much is, like, paying rent late or not paying rent not at, at all. all, damaging your property. Um, you, you, Like, if you have your quarterly inspections or, you know, however you want to do it, but walking through the house, seeing there's um, damage to the walls or to the floors, things are messed up, not how you, you know, how you gave them the property. Like you need a tenant who's actually gonna take care of your investment. Mm-hmm. And you need a good tenant Ten who's screen. gonna do it long term. So that's why you gotta screen your tenants to make sure they're good quality yep. tenants who are actually gonna take care of the property.
1: Yep. And then like I said, if you hire a property manager, your property managers they could they could obviously they could do all those things for you and you'll just be the one that's giving that last okay. Saying mm-hmm. like, Yeah, this is good to go. This person can move in. I'm fine. I mean, I'm cool with this person moving in, or I'm not cool with this person moving in. You could go over the paperwork as well, but your property manager can do all that lead work, all that, all that, all that sweat work, while you just pretty much giving an okay or not. Yeah,
2: so, and that goes back to um, being a passive investor, mm-hmm. just collecting your money. You know, you don't have to have any interaction with your tenants at all. They don't even need to know who you are. Just the only point of contact they got is the property manager. Mm-hmm. But if you do it yourself and you give them your personal line, then you're the one they constantly calling at three mm-hmm. in the morning or all type of times of the day just to get you to come make sure things are getting done. So just put that property manager in place. Let them deal with them on everything. And um, just a tip it, especially if you're going to house hack, I even recommend getting a property manager for that as well. So, mm. that's, again, it's completely up to you. But if you don't want to deal with the day-to-day operations, you just want to sit back and collect your money, get a property manager in place, even if you're going to house hack.
1: Yeah, that, she, she's definitely right about that. And uh, so I had I something else I want to, sp- to speak on, too, regarding. Oh, yeah, I was going to speak on evictions. Because for those who don't know, evictions is not uh, uh, easy. or say, You can't just be like, you know what I mean, wake up one day and be like, oh, I don't want this person living there. You evicted, get out. It's mm-hmm. a process. So this is why tenant screening is so important because you want to have an idea like, okay, I got this tenant and I know for pretty much a fact that it's not going to get to a point where I'm going to have to evict this person. I know mm-hmm. this person can afford where they're living comfortably. I know this person going to treat the property well. So it's not going, you know what I'm saying? because You could you you could be so thirsty sometimes to get a tenant where you don't care who it is to only three months later, you're like, nah, this person got to go. And now you got to go through this whole lengthy process to get this person out of the house. And now you're losing money. And at yep. the end of the day, if you're a real estate investor, we in this to make money. Let's just be real. We in this to make, to make money and be aware for our families. But we in it, we, we, we got to make sure we do these things the right way. That's why we're talking about it. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You just can't try to get over on people, do some flyby by night stuff. We, we in it to make money, but we making money the right way. And I don't want to speak, you want to say something?
2: And I was just going to say, don't have somebody living in your property without a lease agreement. Yep. Definitely, like, I'm real um heavy on making sure everything is in writing. Like, if you know me, I'm going to give you a contract for everything. So, that's one of the most important things. Make sure you have a lease agreement in place. Um, Put in there the date it goes into effect, how long this lease is going to be, whether it's month to month, six months, or a year. However long you um want to allow them to stay in the property on that lease. Uh, the things they're allowed to do and not allowed to do, how many people can live in the house, who's yep. going to be held responsible for if things go wrong, Um, getting that deposit put down for repairs if they do decide to move out and you have to get things fixed up. Just get that all identified in your lease agreement. You can um use a template your property manager has, or if you use sites like Rocket Lawyer and all that, you could download a template that they have and fill in the blanks for it. But that's one of the key things when it comes to, you know, getting that tenant in there and getting everything squared away. Just get mm-hmm. that in writing, just everything that you um, want them to know as far as the property. Get that in your lease agreement. Yep.
1: And I want to speak on something really quick. Like I said earlier, at the end of this is about real estate being a real estate investor. And we do this, like I said, to build wealth for uh, for our family and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. But... There's a misconception, I feel like right now, especially like if you're a real estate investor that makes you like a a, a slumlord or a <laughs> shitty landlord where that's not the truth at all. Like I say, even though we in this to make money, we in it, we doing it the right. We going to do this the right way. Like we not the type to just, you know what I'm saying? Get a tenant, not do shit to the property and just take, take the money because that's, that's a bad business. and you know, I don't support that. I don't condone any of that. So. That's why we always talk about make sure you got reserves saved up so you could do this and be in it to win and really be in it for the right reasons. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I said, we in it to make money, but you want to make money the right way. You don't want to be getting over on people, not taking care of your property. So you make, you making sure you spend the money on the upkeep of your property, keeping it well where somebody wants to live there. You know what I'm saying? It's the difference between a shitty landlord and somebody that's in it to make money, but they're doing all the right things and they making this property where somewhere where some, where families could actually live, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So I just want to speak on that really quick because there's a big misconception out there where it's like some weird thing like if you in real estate they to make money, you a, you a bad person or you a slum lord? Where that's not the truth at all. You a slum lord? You only a slum lord if you're not taking care of your property and you still taking money. You're not trying to make any improvements and you still and you still taking people's money. Mm-hmm. That makes you a slum lord. But if you taking care of what you own. doing all the right things you just a real estate investor that's handling business
2: yep and at the end of the day like xavier said this is a business you know and you got to treat it as such even though it may not be your typical business that people are used to seeing Mm -hmm. it's still a business at the end of the day and just you gotta look at it from our perspective we put the money up to actually buy the property it's our name on the line for the mm. loans, we put all the money in for the repairs. We got, a, you know, a comfortable, livable place for our tenants to live in. And in return, you pay us to have this luxury. So it's a win-win on both sides of the sides um, spectrum. Of the but ju- don't let people talk you out of, out of it or make you feel like being a real estate investor or a landlord is a bad thing because it's not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's true. And like like I said earlier, I want to get back on this. is just being prepared for the unexpected. That's why we always talk about having reserves to the side. Like those are those could be repairs, insurance because you are obviously gonna need insurance for your property. Being prepared for taxes, utility, landscaping to fix your get your get your property pretty and those sort of things. That's this is why you have money to the side because the more you take care of your property, the higher the value will go, and the higher the value go, the more you make money. So this is why we talk about making sure you take care of your property, taking 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 time out. To make sure everything is on the up and up. And it's not even going to. It's not even going to take you a lot of time. If you have the right. This this is why this topic is so important. Because the time you take. To make sure everything is good. Saves you time on the back end. Because we don't really have. We don't don't really have to. Throughout an entire month. We don't really take out any. Use any of our time. To take care of our properties. Because we have teams in place. To do that. So this' is why this is extremely important to uh to talk about and you got anything else you want to talk about on this topic you see i know you mentioned uh you mentioned you mentioned house hacking talk about um like why that's because we ain't really talk about that talk about why mm-hmm. that's a uh, good idea for people to get to get into whether they uh if they don't know about
2: it so definitely it's one of the easiest strategies for you to get into real estate I feel like it's a low risk strategy for most people but it's a lot of benefits to house hacking. If you don't know what that is, that's pretty much buying a multi-family home. You live in one unit and you rent out the others. Now, the best thing about this is, one, when it comes time to get funding for this, this home can be qualified as a residential home instead of an investment property. So you can get the 3% down instead of actually having to pay um, 20% down for an investment property. You could do 3%. So it's less money for you to get into it. Um, so it's less startup costs. And then once you actually get into it, if you have enough um, money, enough tenants in there paying money that covers the mortgage, you could live technically be living rent free. And then if it's higher than what the mortgage is, you could still be profiting, profiting as well. So it's a great way for you to live rent free, potentially make some profit on at the end of the day and also gain some experience. So just, you know, see what it's like to be a real estate investor, own a home, um, see all the different expenses you have to pay for, the ins and outs of it. And then we like to say, you know, when you do this, just stack all that money you're making, put it to the side. Of course, leave some of your re- reserves for unexpe- ex- unexpected unexpected, uh, unexpected stuff. But also, <laughs> you can use that money to prepare you for the, to repeat the pro- process. So you can just mm-hmm. keep repeating and keep building up your properties like that, building up your portfolio.
1: Yep. And uh, just one more thing on this topic. Like after you get after you get your property and you start getting your rental income, like I strongly advise for that first that first twelve months that first year, don't spend any of your rental income. Just put all that in an account, or it's a business account, personal account, whatever. Just put all just let all that money stack up for that just for that first year. Just to let it pay for anything else, so you don't necessarily have to come out of your your other pocket and pay for those things. So, like I said, we advise everybody to just just. If you can, save that that, that that first year rental income, just just save that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, you, you about to say something?
2: And one last thing I want to remind you about is that when you get a property, and at the end of the day, the one of the most important things is how much is going to cash flow. So, when you're analyzing your deal, don't forget that even though you're going to get, let's say, $1,000 of rent, you still have other expenses you need to pay for, right. whether that's property management, taxes, insurance, insurance. Um, different like maintenance things right. that need to be done each month, and it's mortgage. So don't forget to take into account all those things and subtract them from what you're actually making to see what you're actually gonna be profiting mm-hmm. at the end of the day to make sure it's a reasonable deal.
1: Yep, yep. And that's that's pretty much it. What we want to go over with this topic, like we we uh obviously we can't go over everything within this because this is only gonna be less than an hour episode. We're not gonna go over everything, but if you're interested in buying an investment property, whether you it's your first one, or you a uh, a couple investor properties in? You could definitely reach out to us at uh, ParkhillConsultingServices dot com, or follow us on uh, on Instagram at parkhillcapital Capital. And uh, we got different packages where we could help you get started. And uh, whether like I said, whether you're experienced or not, do you want to go over some of the packages?
2: Yep. So we um have three, well, pretty much four main packages. So. Let's say if you're not ready to purchase a property just yet, you may be six months to a year out, and, but you really just need to get your finances in order, then you could book our consultation called the Financially Fit, where we go over all things financially. Um, we look at your current spending habits. We help you make a budget and help you just make a plan so you could get in position to buy an investment property. That's usually like where we recommend people start off at. But if you're ready to just jump head into the real estate game, We do have our 30-minute call, which you can book just to talk about a few different things and ask us any questions you may have, which is the spectator. Or you can get the professional, which is our in-depth overview of everything real estate. And it comes with two great follow-up calls to discuss anything else you may need um, help on throughout the process. Or you could get our full-blown mentorship program, which is the expert package, which you get everything I just discussed, and we pretty much walk you through the entire process from A to Z, helping you get your first investment property, and that's twenty four access, twenty four hour access to us, our resources, and just long term mentorship. You know, it doesn't stop just after the first um, deal is closed. We continue to work with you after that, and just you know, help you whenever you need us.
1: Yep, because like uh, like Deonna said earlier, when we bought our first property, this was in twenty eighteen we didn't have any like uh, mentors and guidance. And so we know firsthand how important it is to have somebody in your corner that's to make sure whatever deal you're doing is the right deal. You you you, you ran the right numbers. You're going pretty much it's, in, in, in its entirety, it's the right deal for you. Like we have to figure it out on our own. And we made some mistakes throughout the way that could have been easily avoid, avoidable. So this is why we do this just to make sure that whoever's out there, they can avoid all those mistakes that we made. And once again, if you're interested in this, you can go to Consult- Consultantservices.com or you can just hit us up to ask us about it, or you can go on Instagram at uh, Park Hill Capital. And uh, so another another thing that we want to discuss because somebody somebody asked me this question, and as we know, as the times we the times we're in right now, most of us has been at home for like a couple of weeks. We all been at the crib just chilling, whatever. And if you're in a relationship, you probably been at the crib with your significant other, and y'all probably. Been trying to do stuff whether it's business related and stuff like that. So, somebody asked me, and I typically like, and I typically, those who know me, they know I typically don't only talk about my relationship like that on a broad scale. But since somebody asked me this question, I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna talk about it on the podcast. And they said, uh, How do you like, how do you work, like, do business? With your significant other. And like I said, I feel like this is an extremely important topic because right now we all at the crib and we just, we, you with your significant other all day. So it's like, you ain't got no choice but to work. So I wonder from my experiences, me and, D, me and D, we've been together for a while, obviously. So I just wanted to go over a, a few things that I feel like helps when you're doing business. And I want to say number one, this is number one, in my opinion, is identifying identifying roles you have to identify like who's who and what's what who's doing who's doing i can't even (laughs) pronounce what i'm saying right now but who's gonna do like each thing just identifying roles like what you're responsible for that's one of one of the most important things i believe because if you don't identify those roles it's easy for things to get twisted and get all over the place because the the expect you 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 like i expected you to do that your girl could be like, I expected you to do this. So it could be a lot of confusion. So when you identify roles, it kind of just it it diminishes confusion that's going on. So I feel like that's the most important thing when you're working with somebody in a relationship. But you I see you over there. You look like you're thinking about something.
2: <laughs> no, I was just gonna say especially um during the quarantine stuff. Yeah. I would say it's important that you understand your partner. And what I mean by that is understanding their likes and dislikes how they function best and things like that and just actually respecting that and giving them the time they need to do what they need to do and I like to say for example I work best when I'm alone and quiet and Xavier's opposite you can kind of work with a lot of stuff going on around you and still you know focus but for me I like to be alone so I I really like the fact that you always respect my time so if I need a couple hours to myself or I need to be in the other room and just work and do what I need to do we got that mutual understanding of what that is so just all in all it's just respecting each other's wishes um, yeah. don't be annoying don't do stuff on purpose like Have
1: common, and most importantly like I said number one is identifying roles I'll take that back number one is identifying goals having a common goal Understanding because when you got the common goal, when distractions come, it's easy to just dead those distractions because you y'all know what y'all are doing, y'all know what y'all are in it for, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, if but if you don't have those goals, it's so easy for shit to come in, whether it's big or small, and just throw both of you off track because you guys don't know what your goals are to begin with anyway. So, when you got those, when you identify those common goals, you understand what you're doing, whether it's to 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 build wealth or what it is to do some uh charitable work whatever it is just make sure the goal is the main thing because BS is going to happen so but whenever BS happens when y'all both know okay we know what we in this war is we gonna let this BS get us off track no we not all right cool we good so make sure that's what you have to do first and and then you gotta identify those roles and like just piggybacking on what Deanna said just understanding each other like get like it, it'll be times like on me like like me and, obviously me and d we live in a we live in the same home but we could go hours without like seeing each other or talking because she's doing her thing i'm doing my thing i give her her space she give me my space like y'all don't have to be y- y'all don't, in, each in each other's faces all the damn time you know what i'm saying everybody we are individuals at the end of the day each person need their own space so make sure you're giving that that person space to do their thing you're not all up all up on them uh micromanaging and stuff like that you know what i'm saying just giving a just giving a person a room to work you yeah. know what i'm saying especially okay. especially when you start when you uh when you start when you starting an off
2: mm-hmm. and i was just gonna say just in reality in the broad scheme of things it's not healthy to just be like super you know just super involved in your relationship and just obsessed with the other person is doing at the end of the day in the relationship you still gotta be an individual as well. You still gotta have your own goals and aspirations and you still gotta work on yourself and make sure that you're in the right mind state mentally, physically, and all of that. So mm-hmm. just give yourself that time to really work on yourself and do what you need to do. And it's always gonna make it easier for you to come back to your partner and for both of y'all to bring that together. Mm-hmm.
1: And you also have to understand that your your personal, your private personal relationship is different from your business. And what I mean by that is like me, well, I'm not saying this is how it works for everybody, but how I work in my household, me being as the, the leader of my household, that's within our relationship. But when it comes to business, it's going to be a lot of times where Deanna's the leader on, on things. And it's not me as a man, I can't be like, in my feelings or in some kind of weird pride ego shit like no i'm a dude i'm supposed to be blah 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 that kind of weird shit mm. like if, if she's more equipped than me or or more knowledgeable or more, more experienced than me on stuff i'm easily gonna take a seat uh, 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 a seat back i'm not gonna be like because this is business this has nothing to do with our personal relationship when it comes to business there's no room for a lot of emotions a lot of feelings it just was it's all logic. What makes the most sense? What's gonna make? What's gonna generate money? So you got to be able to understand that. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. But you got to be able to understand. Like, okay, this is now we are dealing with our business. Later on, we'll be back. You know what I'm saying in our relationship. But right now, this is business, and you more equipped to do this. So you are the leader right now. I'm following your lead on this mm-hmm. right now. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people get to confused. You got to get that understanding on that too. If you working, if you working with your significant if you're in business with your significant other you got to have that understanding too
2: Mm -hmm. and we're not saying it's going to be a 100% easy all the time it's going to be some difficult times trying to do this but you just got to work at it every single day and eventually it's going to come it's going to be like second nature it's going to be easier for you to fall into those roles and come out of them when you Mm. need to but just always keeping the end goal in mind like even if it's just, you know, you don't feel like doing something or you frustrated with the other person. Just put all that to the side and remember exactly what y'all doing this for.
1: What y'all doing it for. And, it, and it's, 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 it's as simple as that. It's not, it's not, it's, it might be difficult to some people, but it's not that hard. Like I said, as long as you, it's only hard when you guys don't have the same goals. You're not on the same page, like where y'all want to go long term. That's the only time it's hard. But if you, but... In my opinion, you really shouldn't be with somebody if y'all don't have the long, the same long term goals. So if you with somebody that y'all got the same long term goals, if you guys go in business, that should be easy because y'all got the same goals. So y'all got the, and y'all and if y'all increasing y'all skill set, everything else should fall in place as long as y'all got the right mentality and y'all make sure y'all keep the main thing the main thing. And y'all gotta constantly.
2: I'm gonna just add this in there is. Pushing each other to holding each other accountable and pushing each other to move and make it to that next level. Like with us, we don't allow neither of us to just sit around and do nothing all day and be stagnant and forget what our goals are. Just constantly pushing each other, motivating each other, inspiring each other and just holding each other accountable so that, you know, we're both progressing together. We're growing together so that we can be the best that we know we can be in the end.
1: Yeah, and that's as simple as that. Like when someone when somebody asks me this question, I'm like, I don't think it's gonna be a lot to talk about because it's <laughs> it's fairly simple. It's 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 fairly simple to me, and especially. But then again, me and like I said, me and Deanna, we've been we've been together for a while. So after a while, stuff kind of gets on like as far as when it comes to business, it kind of gives goes on autopilot because we have we already established that understanding. So, but from a from a ground level when you starting. It might take a while to establish that understanding and get on the get all the way on the same page, but once again like i said it's it, it's not it's not that hard as long as you have somebody that you know they on the same page you want they got your back like you got their back everything is going it's gonna be it's always gonna be hiccups like problems are inevitable, that's the one thing it's it's never gonna to be perfect it's never gonna be something that's gonna be perfect problems are inevitable but it's all about how you deal with them though and when you're on the same page, it's easy to deal with problems. It's exactly. easy. It's very easy.
2: Just at the end of the day, don't overcomplicate right. things. Right, don't like, over, don't overcomplicate Your relationship ain't got to be complicated. Business ain't got to be complicated. Life ain't got to be complicated. Exactly. Just keep things as simple as possible and just move on and be happy and that's really all it takes is just don't over complicate it just keep it simple and keep it moving
1: keep it moving and just have and just have respect for one another that's that's another thing that's, the, that's 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 one key. of the that's one of the cores of just having respect for one another. when you got respect for one another every things always work out smoothly With our from my experiences because there's a respect level there we now when the respect is gone that's when problems tend to happen more frankly frequently, frequently because there's no respect and that's pretty much all I got to say on that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and, and 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 wrapping up for those who don't know. Well, once again, like we said, if you're interested in uh, real estate and starting to get you a property, like I said, you can hit us up at ParkhillConsultingServices.com. And for those who don't know, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C Miller. And D. what's your info? You can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S Kent and Instagram at Deanna
2: Kent.
1: And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate y'all for listening to another episode of the Millionaire Mindset Podcast. Uh, see you guys next next episode. Hope all you guys have a good week. Stay safe. Stay safe. Peace. Hey,
0: turn me up some gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars if you ain't gonna do it for yourself then do it for your mama only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit Tryna to learn some game Xavier exactly, gonna talk about it no Deanna speak that shit that everybody voucher ain't no more excuses valid get up off the couch and get up in your bag to your bank account need an accountant I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary you still believe in limitations why you acting scary you can't distract me from the paper I've been the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we monetize monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my ground rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, going exactly. gon' talk about it. No, Diana speak. That everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses, valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account and you then an account it